0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at tprdfw.com. Well, tonight, developing a forerunner culture, this is session four. It's called Radical Faith, and I just want to give a little recap because I know there's a few of you that might not have been part of this uh, series with us before. We're trying to accomplish a number of things. One, we're trying to help uh, return to our roots. How did this ministry st- uh, become this way? How did it start thinking this way? How did the prayer missions base get to this point? Not so much in our expression, a little of that, but more in like, what do we believe? What do we hold to? Who we are? What's our DNA? How do we get to this point? Because it didn't happen overnight. It was forged over time. So that's kind of a first point. A second point is... We realized that what the path that we took and the messages that were impacting us, they formed a forerunner culture of which all of us around here get to benefit from. And part of what we're doing is we're documenting our journey to create this course for other ministries that would want to likewise forge a forerunner culture because we know how to do it. We did it. And we gotta retain it, we gotta keep going, we can't let up. But we're no longer experimenting on what that looks like and how to get there. And so we're trying to create a roadmap for other ministries to go, hey, look, here's at least one way to get there. There might be other ways uh, to forge it, but here's something that we've seen. And then along the way, we want for every one of these sessions to impact our hearts. We want to have burning hearts for Jesus. We want to go deeper. And so this is this is a really rich uh, study and reminder for me. So I am having a field day on these sessions, and so I'm hoping that you're enjoying them. But honestly, even if you don't, I'm going to keep doing it because I'm having so much fun. So in a tonight's session, Radical Faith, uh, I, again, there's some references back to our living room days and what we were feasting on and Even some of the early days for me in Christ and kind of what formed some ideas in my mind that then carried over into the formation of this ministry back in 2005. But tonight I want to talk about what it looks like from the Word of God to have radical faith and really radical faith is probably the wrong word. It's probably just faith. The problem is we live in a culture that has absolutely no idea how to live by faith. So when we talk about faith the way that the Word of God talks about faith, it looks totally radical. So I'm going to go ahead and leave the term radical faith because I think it helps bridge the gap from what we've seen and what we've experienced to what the Word of God advertises should be normal Christianity. And so tonight as we kind of jump in, I want you to keep that in mind. Just a couple of thoughts here as we get started. We want to start believing that God is who he says he is in the Bible. I mean, I don't think that's a novel idea. I recognize everybody's probably like, of course we want to do that. No, no. We want to actually look at what the Bible says. And if the Bible says this is God, we want to believe that and live like it's true if it means we die today. If it means we lose stuff. If it means we gain stuff. If it means we look stupid We want to look at what the Word of God says about who God is. We want to believe that and go, this is true. Everything else is liar, liar, pants on fire. I'm going to believe the Bible. That's what I'm talking about. That's a little different. I mean, that's the way that the Word of God presents Christianity, but it is not the context of which we are used to living in in our culture, even in the Christian culture. We want to hear, believe, apply, and engage the God of the Bible. We want to hear what, who God is from the Word. We want to believe that's really who He is. We want to apply it to our life. We want to make life changes and line stuff up like what we read in the Bible is actually true and not a myth. And then we want to engage God according to what it is that we read in the Word. Just our first opening verse here, 1 Corinthians 16. Be on your guard. That means it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a fight. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. I love that so many times it doesn't say stand firm in Christianity. It says stand firm in the faith. In the faith. Because the very foundation of what it means to be a Christian is not analytical. The foundation of Christianity is not an analytical assessment, one plus one equals two. It's actually negative 27 and negative one billion equal 10 trillion. I mean, it's like, you do, these things just, it's, the math doesn't work. We're talking about a God who is real, who created everything, who is outside of time and space and everything else, who chooses to interact with us. It's, it's a wild ride. Now, just to get some foundations here. I want to be reasonable with us. Salvation comes through the same faith that we're talking about tonight. We're going to talk about what it looks like to live by faith and have those reality points in our life, but it goes back to you can't get saved unless you operated in this at least once. You're not a believer. You're not a Christian. You don't have the Holy Spirit living in you because you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you because you can read words or say phrases you have the Holy Spirit living in you because you believed. What did you believe? That against all odds, against all understanding, against all culture, and against all of, history, of your personal history, there's a real God. And he wants a relationship with you. You had to believe that. And that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died on the cross. If you don't believe that, I don't mean if you can quote it. I don't mean if you prayed the prayer. I mean, if you don't believe that, then you're not a believer. So the very basis of Christianity starts with this unbelievable reach outside of math, outside of analytical thought process. You have to go, there's an invisible God. He's real. His son came and died for my sins because I'm a sinner. I've got junk that keeps me from God. And if I don't deal with this, I'm going to go to hell But if I do deal with this, I get a relationship with God and life is epic forever. That's a really different storyline than I was born an American, I went to school, I got a job, I got a wife, I got married. you know. It's a very different storyline. And this is the foundation of our faith. It's the same faith. The problem is so many believers stopped there. They gave their life to the Lord. They operated in faith once. Then maybe dabbled a little bit in it in those early years and then stopped operating in faith. But that's the only way to grow in God. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. You have to believe to be saved. Believe, then follow Jesus. The first ask is be baptized as a public expression of I gave my life to Jesus. He says, but it's about believing. It's about faith supernatural things are actually supposed to be happening here people when we come to know the lord i just want you to think about this for a second you got god living inside of you and five minutes ago before you knew the lord you didn't don't you think you're different that's about as big of a i mean this is different than like getting a new haircut this is a bigger deal wardrobe change you grew an inch i mean this is way bigger you didn't have God, God, God. <laughs> you didn't have Him. He wasn't inside of you. And now He's inside of you. There's something different. We're actually supposed to be moving in power. We're supposed to be seeing stuff happen in our lives because God's in there. It's not because you're cool. Look at this. Whoever believes, whoever believes, whoever, special people? No, unspecial people. Whoever, unspecial you. When you believe, these signs will accompany those who believe. Signs? Like signs and wonders and supernatural stuff? Yes. Signs. In my name, they'll drive out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll pick up snakes with their hands. They'll drink deadly poison, and it will not hurt them at all. They'll place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. This wasn't Jesus trying to give an exhaustive list. It's him just giving some spouting out. He's just like, cool, crazy stuff, power stuff, God stuff. He's like, you... When you give your life to God, whoever believes that, whoever's real in that, there's now God living in you, and God's stuff is going to start happening. When you were lost and you had no God, you had no God stuff. Now you have God, you should have God stuff. Oh my gosh, this is, this is intense. This is what we signed up for. It's a new way to live. I can't stress the, the statement, a new way to live, a new one, a different one than how you lived before look what it says, for we live by faith, not by sight. I'm so grateful that Paul clarified that he didn't just say we live by faith. He accused the other version. He said, we don't live by sight like the lost world does. That's the only way they know how to live. You're not lost anymore. You got God inside you. Now, we live a different way. We live a new way. We live by faith and not the way that we lived before. Wait, what does it mean to live by faith? It means your decisions, your processes, your days, there's something different. Because before, your days were measured entirely by what you can analytically put together. Two plus two equals four. I do this, therefore this happens. I go here, law of gravity, all you could do was piece together a way to live according to what you could take in and experience what you could see. He says, we don't live that way anymore. Now, we look to what does God say, what does the word say, and we believe it even if it means we die today. He says, we don't live by sight. We live by faith. That means we live different. Now, the reason I'm saying this, and I want to drive the point home, Some of you might be early in that journey still. I don't mean early in Christ. You might have known Jesus for 10, 20, 30, 50 years. I'm not talking about how long you've known Jesus. I'm talking about how great is your faith. I'm talking about how many steps down this new way to live have you gone, or how many times have you seen those steps and been terrified and not taken those steps? I'm not mad at you. Just stop doing it that way. Live the new way. I want to advertise a new way to live. We live by faith and not any longer by how the lost people live that don't have God inside them. They have no choice but to only live according to what they can see, smell, taste, experience, read on the Internet. That's the only way they can live. We don't live that way. We live by faith whoa, this is a new way to live. And I'm telling you, it is wild and dangerous, and you will look stupid. You want to ask yourself the question, it's not judgment. Listen, this is so that you can be helped. When someone has cancer, it's a nice thing to tell them that. It's a nice thing so that they can work on it, figure it out, pray for it, get some help. So just ask yourself the question, with no accusation, am I doing this? Am I living by faith? Maybe a little bit? Okay, well, where am I not? Oh, that part. Yeah, I'm definitely not living by faith there. Okay, God, help me live by faith there. This is how we're supposed to live. And I think all of us are in various stages in a 100 different realms in our life. This area over here, we've got a bunch of faith, and we're doing it pretty good. This area here, we've just said, no, God, you can't have that. (laughs) This area here, we kind of tried it a little bit and fallen down a little, but we're not really sure what to do with it. I think there's a bunch of different areas of our life, but you just want to ask yourself the question, am I living by faith? Because it's available, people. It's available. But the onus is on us. It's not automatic, top of page two. We can take up the shield of faith. And if we don't, we don't have the shield of faith about that for just a second in addition to this take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one let me tell you how this works god says walk by faith he's yelling it it's in the bible the spirit of the lord is leading us that way in worship you're in the middle of worship and you start to feel the lord just a little bit it's an act of faith to actually give yourself in worship to jesus it's an act of faith because you have to believe there's somebody on the other end of the conversation okay That's, God is saying, come to me, faith, live by faith. The enemy is yelling at least as loud in your other ear. Walk by sight. Walk by sight. You're a fool. Stop doing that. Stop thinking that way. That's not real. That won't work. This isn't going to land. Stop that. And we take up the shield of faith. Think about a shield on the ground. It's only helpful if you pick it up arrows are coming. Dunk, dunk, dunk. Pick up the shield for the love of all. Pick it up, and then you've got to pick up the shield of faith. You've got to engage faith. You've got to go, no, the word of God says, and you speak back to the enemy. You speak back to your own accusing conscience. You speak to the world and circumstances. Say, no, the word of God says. See, that's how Jesus handled accusation when he was tempted by the enemy on, on the hill. It's like when Jesus was brought before in his his moment of temptation. The enemy would say something, and Jesus would say, No, the word of God says. See, that's the shield of faith. Because what you're saying is the word of God is true, and you're a liar. Your ideas that seem very reasonable are inaccurate, and I will not give myself to them. You're a liar. The Word of God says. That's taking up the shield of faith. I believe the Word. I believe the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I do not believe what my eyes tell me. I don't believe it. It's not automatic. It takes energy. It takes effort. It's important. We have great power dwelling within us. Because God lives inside of us now. Ephesians 1:18 through 20. I know you guys, many of you know this passage. Pretend you don't for a second. Hear this fresh. This is Paul. He's praying for the church in Ephesus. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that good stuff can start happening. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. What is this hope? The riches of his glorious inheritance in God's holy people. What is this inheritance? What, what is this richness? What are we talking about? His incomparably great power for us who believe this goes back to the whole believe thing if you believe you have god living inside you if you believe you have incomparably great power you have access to that you didn't when you were lost and now as a saved person you do your life should be different you should be living by faith and seeing crazy things happen because the lost don't have access to that, nor do the Christian that won't pick up the shield. It's not enough that we know the word, what the Word says. We've got to do it. Pick up the shield of faith. When the accusations come, here's what the accusations look like. You're trying to believe God for something, and 10 very reasonable ideas come into your head, but it's not what the Word says. You go, no in Jesus' name, no in Jesus' name, no in Jesus' name. The word says, the Holy Spirit led me this way. We believe, we take up the shield of faith. Incomparably great power for us to believe, who who believe. What power is this? That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. The son of God is dead. How much power and who has it to raise that guy from the dead? God alone and great power. He says, that power lives in you, you dum-dums. It's in you. You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead inside you. Live different. Don't live like a barely saved person. Don't live lost. You have God in you. (laughs) This is the greatest news ever. We are not the same anymore. Look at this. Look what Jesus says. Go, Go on a journey. Be bothered by John 14, 12 through 14. Be bothered by this. He says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes. There it is again. Whoever. Dumb, dumb Christians. Anybody. Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and do even greater things than these. We have access to power we are not touching, and it's not God's fault. He's given us very clear prescription, but it does take us really engaging and believing. All right, well, let's talk about what the Word says, okay? What what are we talking about? How does this work? Believing and receiving there is such a thing as having faith for something, which means there's also a thing as not having faith for something. Same something. The situation in your life, the person, the moment, the whatever. There is such a thing as having faith for it and such a thing as not having faith for it. It's real, it's just, it's a real thing. Let's look what the word says. Acts 14, 9 through 10, he listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, stand on your feet. At that time, the man jumped up and began to walk. I want you to understand what happened here. This has nothing to do with Paul. (laughs) This has to do with a dude who had faith to be healed of that thing. And Paul looks at him and he says, yeah, bro, you're healed according to your faith. Not because I did anything. Next verse, Mark 10. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Your faith. This is Jesus. Jesus is like, this wasn't on me, friend. Your faith has healed you. That means they had that faith. That is profound. Next one, Mark 2, top of page 3. <clears throat> when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Get up and take your mat and go home. When he saw their faith, their faith, they had faith for God to do this thing. Listen, I don't, this, I am guilty of this as much as you are. I just don't want to pacify it and call it okay. I want to get into the pit with you. And let's own the fact that we have little faith. That we don't have faith for a lot of things. Let's address that and go to war against it instead of laying down and saying that's okay and normal. Let's instead go, I don't have it. I don't want to... Pre- what good does, was, does uh, playing it off, pretending? Who are you faking out? Not God. Not even really yourself because you know you don't. Instead go... I don't have faith for this. What's it going to take? Lord, I don't, I don't believe this. I don't believe this. But I know I should, so will you help me? Like, Can I not be here in six weeks or a year? Can, can I be in a different spot in a minute? Can, do, I have, do I have to die here in this spot where I don't believe? I don't believe. Will you help me overcome my unbelief? He says, oh, that's good. I like that. That's a great start. If you'll approach me that way. But here's what I think we do many times. Eh, I just, I'm not really willing to press in for that. I don't really care. It's not that big a deal anyway. Okay. Then that's how it's going to be. <laughs> but if you're like, I'm going to take hold of the hem of your garment, and I'm not letting go till you bless me, you're going to get something. And it'll be different. But this is how it is. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. Oh, my gosh. Now, this is not how Jesus spoke to everybody. There were many times Jesus did it on Jesus' faith. But these occasions weren't on Jesus' faith. He said, this is because of you. You believed this. Okay, here we go. Boom. On your faith. God will do things according to our faith. This is, guys, I recognize for some of you tonight, this is going to really cause you theological problems. You're going to have to work out with God. I'm really glad about that, by the way. Because these are problems we want to dialogue with God about. Don't come up and ask me. I'm not telling you anything but Bible verses. Go back to the source. Don't come. Brad, you said this. Did I really, or did the Bible say it? Because if I said it, then yeah, take up your ought with me. But if it's in the Bible, go talk to the the one who wrote it. Don't don't come up to me. God will do things according to our faith. Look at Matthew 9, part B on page 3. He touched their their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. (sighs) Matthew 8, Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. Oh, guys, this is messy. This means we have so much untapped power and potential. So much, and it's not God's fault. It's not on God. It's not on him. There is so much he wants to do. There is so much, but he won't do it outside of faith. Look at part C. If you believe you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. These are Bible verses. I want to remind you, same Bible that said, "God so loved the world." And we believe that verse. Why don't we believe this one? Well, because it's hard. OK, well, for the lost person trying to figure it out, John 3:16 is hard. But eventually you go, "You' are God, I'm not. You're real. Where did we get your God? Where did we even get that? "You God, I'm not. you're real. Where did we even get it? The Bible? So why don't we believe the verses after it and before it? It's the same Bible, same God that wrote it, same God that saved you, same faith that saved you. It's the same stuff. It's the same thing. And it says, "If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer." Great faith exists. Look at this. Matthew 15. Jesus said to her woman, "You have great faith!" exclamation mark. I'm excited. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that very moment. There's such a thing as great faith. Oh, I'm grateful for that, but I think I'm way more grateful for the next one. Luke seventeen six. It doesn't have to be great to count. It just has to be real. Jesus replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea. And the tree will obey you like a dog. Huh? Here, little Mulberry, 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 Mulberry. (laughs) Okay, you get up and go plant in the sea. That's where you ought to be today. And then next week, plant yourself on the moon. And Jesus said, you put all the jokes in there you want. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to a mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it'll obey you. Why did Jesus say this if this is a lie? The thing is, it's not a lie. We don't believe this. We don't believe it. (laughs) That's on us. That's not on him. He said it really clear. Now, it's painful, and there's all sorts of ramifications like, well, but if that's real, then what about... Listen, you got to work all that theological stuff out on your own. I'm just telling you, Jesus Christ says you can tell trees to be your puppy. Okay? And it will obey you if you have faith. Now, If you tell that tree to get up and do the thing and you don't have faith, the tree is going to do exactly what you expected the tree to do. Nothing. He says, but if you have faith and it doesn't have to be great, it can be as small as a mustard seed. We need to go on a journey. I don't want to be bankrupt in faith. I don't want to live there. Let's go on the journey. Let's let's be real. Let's show up before God and go, okay, look, I want to live according to this new way. I want to live by faith and not by sight because I've been busy living by sight and sprinkling a little bit of faith on it. But I haven't been living by faith. I want to live a new way. I want to engage faith and believe God. This kind of faith inherits promises. I'm going to skip that one. You got notes and check it out later. Let's go to the third part here. Top of page four. Realities of doubt and belief. Now here's the problem. You are in a fight and it's a very real fight and I don't know if any of you have ever been in a fight, besides maybe John Stokes. But, but if you're in a fight, whatever you do, don't just stand there and let them hit you. <laughs> do something, put your hands up, fight back, run away, something. Don't just stand there and get the snot beat out of you. I think what happens so many times, I want to say I think the majority of Western Christianity has just completely succumbed to unbelief just settled straight into it, where we're not even trying to fight the good fight of faith. We're not even trying. We're going to church. We're reading our Bibles. We're trying to encounter the Lord. All good. But the subject of faith, it's been taboo. It's like, nah, we don't really do that in our culture. We don't really want to do that. We really don't know how to do that. The problem is we have completely allowed the enemy to squelch the faith. Made us a bunch of sissies. Squelch the faith. Where we don't live by faith, we live by sight mostly. I can assess this. This makes sense to me. Burning bushes, parting seas, son of God in a manger don't make no sense. But we're trying to do Christianity in a way that makes sense. What Bible verse are we basing that on? Where did we get that idea? We got it from our culture. Really, we got it from the enemy. And he's been really good at it. He's deceived us like crazy. So we have totally not tried to live by faith. That has not been on our radar. It's because we're up against some really difficult fighting points related to doubt and unbelief. Oh, but friends, you, just, you need to let this verse be one of your favorites and one of your least favorite Bible verses in the whole Bible At the same time, you want this verse to be a plague to you. You want this verse to guard you, to encourage you, and to slap you around. You want this verse to really bother you. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? (laughs) Because anyone who comes to him, must believe, faith, that he exists. He's real. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let me tell you straight. Faith at every level about everything in any situation requires that we believe that God is who the Bible says that he is and not who our experience says that he is, our friend says that he is, or the internet. that the Bible is true and all those other things are lying sources, even your own experience. We have way too much stock in our own experience and not enough stock in the Bible. We believe our own experience over the Bible. Yeah, but that's not how it worked for me last time. Who cares? What Bible verse tells you, base your life on how things went yesterday? Show me the Bible verse says we walk by faith and not by sight, and not by sight, and not by sight. He's punching the thing in the face. Unbelief and doubt, it's because you're walking by sight, by experience, by analytical. You can't get there that way. And it's impossible to make God happy unless you operate according to faith. Oh, I liked it until that line. It is impossible to please God. I'm telling you, you want this Bible verse. If y'all are into tats, get this one on your forehead. You want this Bible verse like embedded. You want this one. You want this one real. It's impossible to please God without faith. But faith requires you to believe God. And the whole thing is God, do you know God made himself invisible to us on purpose? It's not an accident. He actually created the gap the, the veil, he created it in order to create a kingdom based off of faith, what we, what we don't see instead of what we do see. Belief in the Bible, belief in his word. It, he created the system. It's impossible. <laughs> this next one, I, this is such an oh my goodness to me. I'm just like, I, this one, I can't even believe this. Matthew 13, 58 tells us a very powerful kingdom lesson, and that is God actually won't do stuff without faith. There's stuff God won't do. He's like, I can't wait to do this. I can't do it. You can't do it. You're God. Yeah, but I have created this kingdom principle where there is not faith involved. There's stuff I actually can't do. I created my own shackles. I bound myself. It says this, Jesus, and he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Oh, no. <laughs> this is, it's impossible to please God without faith. He didn't do miracles there because they didn't have faith. This faith thing is like really, really a big deal. I mean, I want to maybe put it second to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. <laughs> it's like. Let's have faith because it says you can't make, you can't please him unless you've got faith. This is we need to go on a journey. This needs to be a consuming thing. This needs to be a problem that we're identifying. Like, you know, I mean, if we were growing a third arm, we'd look at that as kind of a big deal. Like, you know what, probably need to get that tended to. You want to tend to this. You want to look in your soul and go, "Uh, I guess I don't really have faith. Not, not like I thought I did. Maybe compared to my friend or my neighbor, but why, did, why was that our basis of comparison instead of the Bible? I've got a little bit more faith than my friend. That's not gonna hold up before God. You think he's gonna be like, oh, well, good for you, because you had a little bit more faith than your friend. Your, faith was, your friend was completely faithless, and you had .001% more than they did. Oh, good. It's like, let's go on a journey Look at this, James 1, 5 through 7, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Ask God. Really, when it comes to faith, it's all ask God, talk to God, hear from God, read what God said, God's perspective, God's ideas. It starts with God. Faith starts with God. Faith starts with God. We don't make up our own stuff. We go to God. We go, God, you're the source. You're where it's at. He says, (coughs) ask God. Who gives generously without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, friends, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. These are Bible verses, guys. These are life parameters of what it looks like to live by faith. That person shouldn't expect they're going to get anything from the Lord. Why? Because they're just going through the motions. They weren't engaging faith. They didn't pick up the shield of faith. They weren't pressing in. They were just murmuring. They were just praying stuff. They were doing it by rote. (laughs) It's like, I mean, that's better than nothing. Maybe it primes the pump a little bit. It's better than sinning. But that's, he says, you shouldn't expect to get anything And he's not mad about it. He's actually describing how this works. He's like, this is how this works on planet Earth. We are responsible for what we know. Part of what is going to be a little bit of a trouble for you guys tonight is tonight is a loud proclamation of some things that you already know, but it's going to be fresh for some of you, and it's going to be brand new information for others and look what it says here in Matthew eleven twenty one, 21. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago. What does that mean? You are responsible for these words, for this Bible, for these Bible verses, for this teaching, for this concept. You're responsible for it. And as you hear it, you need to respond to God. Otherwise, your heart is going to harden against these things. Tonight, one of two things is going to happen. You're going to get softer towards this message, or you're going to get harder towards it. And no one makes the decision except you alone. But you're responsible for it. Now, I recognize, yeah, but my experience says, yeah, but that thing, yeah, but I tried, yeah, I got, we all got a lot of yabbits. Yeah, we got a lot of yabbits. Yeah, I know, I got mine. You can't let your experience be your teacher. you got to let the Word of God be your teacher. And you go, no, okay, I don't know why that didn't work. I sure wish that would have worked. I'm bummed that it didn't. I'm mad and sad. But that doesn't make the Word of God void. It means I've got to go on the journey and unravel this thing and figure out what the heck happened. Be willing to go there. Don't close your heart off to this teaching. Engage it. It's Bible verses. All right, well, stories from the Word. I'm just going to give you a few, and then I'm going to give you some personal ones, and I'm going to give you personal stories from when I was young in the Lord, not personal stories from however many years in today. I'm going to give you early, Brad, in the Lord stories, because I want you to recognize God would do this for somebody that's known the Lord for weeks or months or a year or two. Okay? So I don't want you to have to think about what's happening now. I got cooler, bigger stories now. But I want you to know what happened in 2000, and you know, 99 and 2000 and 2001, right after I gave my life to the Lord. Okay, first, Word of God, part A on page five. Joshua made the sun stand still for a day, or better part of a day. Go read the verses, it's right there, Joshua 10. Joshua caused the sun, the sun to stop moving. Because he was talking to God. It was prayer-ish. He's in a conversation with God, and he tells the sun to stop moving. And the sun stopped moving. It's totally impossible. You're making that puppy dog mulberry tree thing a very small deal right now. That seems like easy deal. Make the sun stop meaning the earth stopped rotating. That's what that means. Do you understand? The earth stopped rotating because a human, one dude said, earthy, stoppy, spinny, and the earth stopped spinning. Guys, that is nuts, and it's in your Bible, the same Bible that says God so loved the world. Same Bible. Next, this is probably my favorite miracle in the whole Bible, I mean, it's touched my life in ways I just can't even explain. Elisha made an iron axe head float in the Jordan River because it was borrowed. I'm like, there is all sorts of practical purpose on this one. How many times have you ever lost something or broke something that was borrowed, right? It's like, oh, Lord, it's borrowed. It's like, oh, okay, well, then we'll just cause all laws of physics to just turn over. Just speak to Iron, heavy, heavy iron, much heavier than Wawa. And all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, just reach in and get it. Okay. To me, this is like, this passage, and I gave you the verses, this describes God's willingness to reach into our day-to-day. Because this miracle, this wasn't like feeding all the masses, and this wasn't the parting of the sea for a nation. This is one dude who's like, upset because he doesn't want to make his friend mad and tell him that he broke his axe. Do you see how little that is? Oh, I broke this pencil. Oh, it's the boss's pencil. He's going to be so ticked. It's like the 16th pencil I've broken of his pencils. God, would you fix this pencil? Ah! ah the pencil! <laughs> and God's like, would, have you ever asked me before? No, I didn't think we could do that. He says, did you read the axe head prayer? No. Well, read the axe head prayer. Peter had a scandalous prison break. Our faith includes God breaking Peter out of a prison. It says the the saints were all together praying, and an angel, the angel didn't get the idea himself, God heard the prayers and said, hey, Angel Joe, go down there. Get that dude out of prison. Really? We can do that? Like the Romans and all that, you know, like the laws and, yeah, just go break him out. And then all these details of Peter being broken out of prison and escorted by an angel. This is your faith. You could have this happen to you. You. You could have this happen. Why? Because you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead inside of you like Peter did. That's why. See, we need to start believing the Bible and stop believing our experience. These Bible stories are not myths, they're facts. We need to reprogram our fact checker. We need to start looking for what the Bible says is real and true and right and stop looking at our experiences. Paul anointed handkerchiefs and aprons. He didn't, it doesn't even say that he anointed them. That's not what it says. It says handkerchiefs and aprons that Paul had touched. Somebody ran up, grabbed, and then ran out of the room and went to another city and started whacking people with it. It doesn't even say he anointed it, it just says the handkerchiefs and aprons that Paul had touched are now so anointed people in other places are getting healed by that. Guys, that is so different than like we're like, oh God, would you please heal this person? Would you please? It's like, just get a handkerchief. Just whoosh. Healed. In Jesus' name. Guys, we don't have faith. The problem is not with God and it's not with the Word of God, it's with us. This stuff is in there over and over, and this is the God of our fathers. This is the God of Christianity, the God of Jesus. This is Christianity, to live by faith in this guy who lives and thinks like this, who operates like this. I gave you a few others. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to part five. Some personal stories from my early years. And again, I want to stress early years because I want you to get a picture for what you could see happen this week. When I was 20, 19, 18, 19, 20, I'm so grateful. I mean, I'm thankful for how the Lord brings all of us up in the Lord and everybody's story is different. I am so grateful to have been a recovering atheist. I am so grateful that, that my experience allowed me to enter into the kingdom with absolutely zero pretense, zero foreknowledge, zero understanding. And because I was in a context that probably wasn't really my flavor, I didn't know what my flavor was when I first came to Christ, I just read the Bible like cover to cover over and over and over. So I believed the Bible because I got saved and said, what do I do now? And somebody gave me a Bible. and was like, you need this. I'm like, great. I don't know what else to do. I'm going to know this book. And I'm going to try to know the God that's in this book. So I'm reading story after story after story, and I'm getting that as my primary intake. That's, what, that's my primary source of entertainment in those years. I'm reading Bible verse after Bible verse after story after miracle, and I just got, well, I guess this is who you are. I guess it's just how it is, because this is the Bible that gave me the information that told me you were real and gave me the opportunity for repentance, and I got saved out of the understanding of the messages of the Bible. This same Bible says You do miracles. So I guess you do miracles, so let's, let's do the stuff. Let's get it going. So in those first days, man, I just I had so many crazy things. I'm going to share just a few of these stories. In the most direct parallel I can think of related to the axe head prayer, I had the wildest thing happen to me when I was about 20. I got a friend. He was uh, doing a ministry. He was one of the youth ministers at the church that I was an intern at. And he had me doing some side jobs with him, some uh, construction stuff. And um, I had somehow just, like, it was awful. I think I had, like, broken two or three of his tools over the course of some weeks. And I was just, like, beat up about it. I was like, oh, gosh, I didn't mean to do this. I was like, it's just really bad. And one day... I I think he actually told me, hey, because we're doing this work on this fence out in the grass, just be real careful not to lose the drill bit. Because we had a power drill, drill bit at the end of the drill, don't lose the drill bit, okay? And it's like, I don't know, hour in or whatever, I totally lost that drill bit. And the grass was high. And I was like, oh, dang. And so I'm like really beat up about it. But I've also recently read these stories, you know, these axe head prayer kind of stories and stuff. And I'm holding the drill, and the drill bit is not at the end of the drill. You, you picture it? Okay. So I am looking around everywhere in the grass. I've looked around for I don't know how long, five or ten minutes. But five or ten minutes to look in the grass for a drill bit is a long time, okay? Finally, I put down the drill, and I just, I'm like, oh, God. And I go, I go axe head prayer. I'm like, God, I need you right now. It's borrowed. I said, Lord, it's borrowed. Just like the past. I go, Lord, I cannot stand the idea of going to my friend and telling him I I lost this 17-cent drill bit. I just can't fathom how I'm going to have that conversation with him. And I go, God, in Jesus' name, I need you to find the drill bit and have it manifest here for me somehow. I need you to give me back the drill bit right now. I look down on the drill that is now on the grass, and laying on top of the drill, straight up, is the drill bit. Explain that one. Because the God of Elisha that caused the axe head to float is the same God of the believer that gave their life to the Lord yesterday, a week ago, a month ago, a year ago. Same God. God still does miracles. We live by faith and not by sight. Next one. This one, I am telling you, you can call me a liar. This happened. It happened more than once, but I'm going to tell you the most dramatic one that happened. I was so poor when I was an intern at that church. I was so poor. It was unbelievable. My budget for food for the month was $11. $11 budget for food for the whole month. And that was also my fun money and whatever else I wanted to do. I mean, everything was $11. That was what I had left after I paid my few little bills. Okay? $11 a month. You can't do diddly with $11, by the way. But going to the grocery store with me was a lot of fun. Because the objective was not get things on the list. People would ask, where's the list? I go, you don't. <laughs> you don't know how to do this. That's not what we're doing. <laughs> this, this is, we're going to spend an hour walking around the store with a cart and not put anything in it. And we're going to look at what is the cheapest stuff. Is there a sale on ketchup? I mean, we're looking for the cheapest stuff in the store. And then we just have to tally up how many of that can we get and how much of that. And, and then old discontinued, old and moldy. That's the good stuff right there. That's discounted. Let's, put, let's load up the cart with the old and moldy. But it never lasted the whole month. Never. And there were many times where I'd be in that intern house and I was hungry. And I never told anybody my need. I just want to tell you, you want to get God involved in your life? Tell no one your problem. Because then when God does it, <laughs> you can't say, oh, well, so-and-so knew. So-and-so didn't know squat. Okay? I can remember. Now, again, this happened more than once. It happened, I think, three times. But I'm going to tell you the most dramatic. I said, God, I'm in my living room. I said, God, I'm going to get on the floor. I'm going to put my face on the floor. And I'm going to pray for you to put groceries in a grocery bag on my front porch. I'm going to pray for groceries to appear on my front porch. I got on my face and I prayed for five, 10 minutes, I don't know, not an hour, but not a minute. And I got up and I went to the front porch, and there were no groceries. And I said, "We're going to do this Elijah thing. the, the storm cloud at the size of a fist. I went back on my floor and I said, "No, no, I'm hungry. You love me. I want you to put a bag of groceries on my front porch." And I prayed for another 10 or 15 minutes, whatever it was. And I got up off the floor and I went to the front porch and there was nothing. I go, no, God, no. This is the third time. This is the Elijah thing. I need you to put a bag of groceries on my front porch. I went out there and the third time there were two bags of groceries on my front porch. Why? Because God is who he says he is in the Bible. We don't believe so we don't see. This isn't miraculous. This isn't crazy. This is oh my gosh, they're the craziest thing I've ever heard. The problem is, it's the craziest thing we've ever heard. That's the problem. We instead want to go, I'm going to get my own stories. I'm going to build a relationship. I'm going to get deep with God. I'm going to get some faith in me. The problem is, we have no faith. We have no faith. I watched, and I can't, I will tell you, I screamed when I saw him. And I was like, two? I was like, Maybe I counted for the last one. I was like, maybe maybe they like, the first time I prayed, maybe somebody got in their car because God was like, hey, go buy Brad some groceries. And it just took 45 minutes or whatever to get here. I don't know. I don't know how it worked. I just know I was freaked out when I saw that. I kind of felt the Lord like, you know, I'd kind of like for you to not be quite as freaked out about this. Like you did believe, like you believed that there were groceries on the front porch. I put groceries on your front porch. All right. So one day I was having a hard time and I was just, I just had a couple of things happen. It was just a a rough day. And I go, Lord, I go, I'm just having a really rough day. I just need you to do something cool. I need you, not people. I need you to do something cool where I know it's you. And I just go, wow, Lord, I need you to do something cool. Within seconds, my phone rings. Then seconds. Now, at this point, I'm 20, 21. I don't know. I'm something. I'm 20 something. Okay? Whatever I am. And uh, it's my dad. And um, the last thing I'm thinking is that my dad's going to be involved in whatever it is I just prayed. I've completely forgotten in the one second between me praying and the phone ringing that I just prayed. And my dad goes, hey, hey, uh, I got something cool to tell you. I was like, okay. He said, you know how when you were growing up every now and then for like Christmas or a birthday or something, one of your family members would get you a savings bond? And if you guys don't know what that is, go look it up. But he's like, do you remember that? And I was like, yeah, like a $25 savings bond or like a $50 savings bond. And he's like, yeah. He said, he said, well, you know, it's been like a long time. And those savings bonds, they typically mature in like 10 years. Some of them are five-year, some of them are 10, some of them might be longer. But I think all the ones I had were, were longer. And the idea is that these savings bonds, when they reach a point of maturity, they're actually going to be worth the full amount of that savings bond and in some cases more. Well... It's been well over that period of time, and they only continue to accrue more interest. Now, I don't know any of this. Anyway, he says, he, I'm giving you a little bit of the back He says, well, hey, you remember those savings bonds? I said, yeah. He said, well, you're not going to believe this. I just found this box, and it's got all these savings bonds, all these, like seven, you know, seven $25 savings bonds or something, okay, $150. He said, I just found this box with all those savings bonds. He goes, Man, I was reading up on this. He said, this is worth some money now. I go, what are you talking about? And he goes, yeah, over, after it matures, if you don't cash it, it just like keeps getting more and worth more and more. I was like, really? He goes, he said, yeah, he said, you have hundreds of dollars here, maybe more. And I was like, no way. It turned out it was like $580. I forget the amount. It was some ridiculous amount. And I was like, I got this phone call. One second after I prayed, God, do something cool. To-. I, it completely changed my day. Why do I share that one? Because that one is so friendship oriented. That is so like, God, I just need you to touch me. I have faith for you to touch me. Touch me. I don't even care how you touch me. And then he touched me. And all the rest of the day, my heart was so full. I was just so thankful. It wasn't even about the money. It was about the timing. I was like, You're, this is nuts. This thing has been sitting in there for 25 years, 20 years, I don't know, however long. It's been sitting there forever. And now all of a sudden, boom, on this day, right after, oh Lord, you're so good. I move into a house, won't go into that story. And I had recently, I know this is crazy, it's foolish, whatever. I had recently discovered Panda Express. And Panda Express discovered me. And we fell in love. That orange chicken. That orange chicken. So I'd moved into this house, and, and uh, there's, a, there's a spot on the other side. It was over on Green Oaks in South Arlington. There's a, there was a spot on the, uh, on the other side of the, the road of Green Oaks because I was on a cul-de-sac, and a spot on just on the other side right after I moved into this house that was like uh, bare. It was like there was nothing there. It was a, it was a retail spot, but it, there was nothing there. And I just got it in my heart one day, Lord, I want a Panda Express right there. Walking distance. I'm going to walk out my front door, take 100 steps, and eat orange chicken. I go, Lord, I want a Panda Express right there. And I just decided every time I pass that piece of dirt, which I'm going to pass it twice because I'm going to pass it out of my house and then coming back to my house, I'm gonna pray every day in Jesus' name, build a Panda Express right there. I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna I'm gonna pray for a Panda Express. And I would be in the middle of a conversation, somebody would be in the car with me or whatever, they'd be driving, we'd be talking, and all of a sudden we get to that spot, and I it was like they weren't even in the car anymore. I go, in Jesus' name, Panda Express, and they just look at me like, weren't we talking? Like, what are you doing right now? I go, no, no, I made a I made a promise. I'm gonna do it every single time. I never missed one. I always and every part person is like, what? This is weird. Why are you doing it? Because I want a Panda Express right there. And they're like, it doesn't really work that way. Maybe not for you. I'm going to get a Panda Express right there. (laughs) So time goes by. I don't remember how long it was. Months. I mean, it wasn't days. It was months or could have even been a year. It was a long time. One day I drive by, and there's a sign on that piece of property that says, Panda Express coming soon. (laughs) There's a Panda Express right now. That same spot. It's a sign and a wonder, and I know how it got there. (laughs) Marketing-wise, it was in the wrong spot. I mean, I guess it got my money, but it it wasn't close enough to the highway. There's all sorts of reasons why that is not where a Panda Express should be, but there's one reason (laughs) that there should be a Panda Express there. In those early days, as I was telling you, you know, my my stories about how... (laughs) just didn't have money for anything. I didn't have gas money. So every time I needed to drive anywhere, this is, you know, 2001, 2000, that time frame. Anytime I needed to go anywhere, I needed a miracle. I needed money. I needed, and again, I didn't tell people, I'm broke, give me money. I never did that. Never. Not once. And so uh, something happened, and <clears throat> somebody. I needed to run an errand for somebody or something that caused me to have to drive all the way across the Metroplex, like far across the Metroplex. And I was in... Uh, my car, and I just, it was one of those days where I wasn't paying attention to the fuel gauge. I just wasn't, it's like, oh, man, I, I should have known better. I, admittedly, I should have known better, should have paid attention how much gas is in the car, whatever. It was totally the Lord. It was totally the Lord. I wind up over, off of like 635 and 75. I am far from here, okay? And I, all of a sudden, the car starts to like, sputter, it's running out of gas, and I'm like, oh, you idiot. And I look down, I'm like, I'm running out of gas. It's like the number two rule in driving. First one, don't hit anything. Second one, don't run out of gas, dum-dum. And here I am, I'm running out of gas, and I pull into this gas station, and it dies at the pump. And I'll go, well, at least I made it here. And I go, Lord, I go, I need you to help get me some gas. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I pray, and I go, God, I I need you right now to give me gas money, I don't know how you're going to do that, but I need you to do that. And, and I just, go, I, I'm thinking now I'm going natural. So I just did the supernatural prayer thing. Now I'm going natural. I'm like, maybe I'll find a couple dollars on the ground and maybe that'll get me home. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I, I go to the, the gas tank and I open up the gas, you know, little door. There's a $20 bill in there. Listen, I've been driving since I was 16. This is the only time that has ever happened to me in my life. There was a $20 bill in the gas tank, and I just went, (laughs) what was it? Did you just put it there? Was it there before? Did you tell somebody go put that because Brad doesn't know how to drive? Like what? How is this $20 bill right here, right now when I Need capital N need gas money. It's like that is no way because this is who God is. This is who God is. He's like this. Skip down. I'm going to letter H, part uh, page eight. A season of time, not long after that, but before the prayer room. Season of time where. I really felt the Lord just speaking to me, just subtly. It wasn't loud. It was just subtly about him getting me a job at a, uh, at a home building company called Lennar Homes. And I knew somebody that worked there. And I said, hey, you know, are there any openings? And he's like, well, I don't think so, but I'll ask. And sure enough, there were no openings. And, and uh, I, I just really felt like the Lord, the Lord said I'm going to need a job there. And I got a hold of their HR department, and they're like, yeah, sorry, we're not hiring. Uh, you know, thanks for calling. I'm like, no, because I know so-and-so. They're like, that's good. We're not hiring. So have a nice day. And I wouldn't recommend this unless the Lord leads you. I always recommend you follow the Lord. I quit my job. I had a job at that point, and I had bills. I had an apartment. And this apartment was $600 a month. That may not, I mean, that's a good deal today. But this was $600 a month. It was a little garage apartment over off of New York. And I was in a great little deal, great space. But I really felt like the Lord showed me he's going to give me this job. And I quit my job. And every day I committed to, I don't know, it was either three or four hours. Every day I'm going to pray for three or four hours for God to give me that job. I'm going to just, I'm going to get that job. And I prayed every day for three or four hours, didn't tell anybody else, didn't, didn't you know, uh, tell the HR department. I'd just call about once a week, and I'd say, hey, this is Brad just seeing if you guys are hiring. No, we're really not, and, and what are your qualifications? Because we don't want you anyway, you know? And, uh, and every week, they just say, no, well, weeks turned into months. I had to have the Lord another time, another season, another whatever, we'll have the conversation I saw the Lord move in the most powerful, crazy ways every single month to pay every single bill. I was never late on anything. I saw him move powerfully every single month. And about three or four months in, I called the, uh, no, that's not true. Three or four months in, they called me because I'd left my number a dozen times. They called me and they said, hey, uh, you want that job? I said, yes, I do. I said, okay, you start Monday. Be here. Here's what you wear. And I got that job. It was my first big boy job. I was making real money. Wasn't making, you know, $3 an hour anymore. I've had a couple of jobs where I was making $3 an hour. (laughs) So maybe the current one. Um, (laughs) but But anyway, I got that job. Why did I get that job? Because I'm cool? No, they told me I wasn't. They made that clear. They were like, you're not qualified. You don't have what we're looking for, this, 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 and this. There's all sorts of reasons. We're not hiring, being one of the big ones. And, but the Lord told me you're going to get that job. Why did this happen? Because we live by faith and not by sight. And by faith, I said, Lord, I'm going to agree with this little word. It wasn't loud. It wasn't like he spoke audibly. I'm going to agree with this little word. You're going to give me that job. And I believed it, and I got that job. Now look, let's look at the process here because this is important. We're going to end with this process. Worship leader or team or whoever you are, Tyler, come on up. (laughs) Don't play yet. Just sit there and look pretty, okay? (laughs) All right. There's a process, and the process matters. The process starts with permission. You can't just go name and claim dumb stuff. You have to have permission from the Lord. But I'll tell you what, the the Word says that if you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. So there's some of the desires of your heart He's actually willing to give you that He wouldn't give the other person because for the other person it would be dumb and wouldn't matter, wouldn't make impact, or it's outside of His will. you got to get permission first. There's an important part of this process where you start with, Lord, are you all right with this? Can I ask this? Is this like... And you kind of look for a check in your spirit like, no, do not pray that. I've had that I don't know how many times. Or you just kind of go, yeah, I kind of think there's like a little open door, open window maybe, cracked window. But it's cracked, and I can get in there and shimmy that thing open. So first thing is you're looking for permission. Don't just pray stuff without that because you could wind up praying for stuff. Don't ever pray for something the Bible says don't do. Don't pray for Don't ever pray for somebody to die. Don't pray. That's dumb. Like follow the word, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, have some conversation with Jesus, but like there is a place for asking for permission. Second, James 5.15, you have to get faith. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, the Lord will raise them up. It's not just about healing. The prayer offered in faith will dot, 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 get you the job. The prayer offered in faith will get you the drill bit. Will get you the Panda Express praise the lamb. The prayer offered in faith will. But here's the deal. you got to assess where you're at and go, I need faith for this. I'm in one of those battles right now personally in my personal life. I am fighting. I am contending in faith for something. I am contending. I'm like, no, no. And doubt starts to come in and I go, no, no. I believe the word. I believe it and I I fight and I contend and I'm going to get it because that's what it takes to get it. The righteous will live by faith. You can't, this isn't a game. You got to press in. You got to take up that shield of faith. The prayer offered in faith will, it will, it will. I'm not a name it and claim it kind of guy, but there is a get permission and pray like crazy and believe that God will do it. There is that. And this is what the word teaches us is the right way to approach him. Mark 11:24, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. If you don't believe you have received it, it won't be yours. Guys, I'm not asking you to like this. I'm just saying take it up with the boss. He wrote all these verses. This is not like two verses. This is like 20,000 verses. This is a very big part of Christianity. It's just a part we don't like to touch because we don't like to get our feelings hurt. We don't like to get let down. We don't like to get disappointed when it doesn't work. We don't like to take ownership that there might have actually been something out of place with our pursuit. We don't like hearing that. We don't like thinking that. We always want it to be somebody else's fault, somebody else's deficiency. Why don't we just humbly come before God and go, I don't have any faith. Help me. Help me. I don't have it. Help me. Help me, help me. You're big, I'm little. I don't have the faith for this. Instruct my soul. Help me, lead me. I'm where the deficiency is. It's not you, it's weak me. Help me overcome my unbelief. And then be expectant. Matthew 21, 21, Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, the fig tree puppy dog, remember that? He says, not only can you do the fig tree, you can also say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. Why did Jesus say these words if it's a lie? It's not a lie. The problem is we are so fixated on the temporal, the here and now, what we can see, and we're told don't live by that. Live by faith in the word of God. What does the word of God says? If you have faith and do not doubt, you can tell this and you can do that. Here's the big deal. We are not patient. We are not faithful in prayer. We give up easy. Matthew 7 says this, 7 through 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Why did Jesus say these words? Because they are true. But also... These words were written in the infinitive. That looks different than it does in English. Here's how it reads, actually. Here's how it should read. Ask and keep asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. It's the continual. It's not seek once, ask once, knock once. It's seek and keep seeking. Don't give up. Knock and keep knocking. Don't give up. And then lastly, the, the praying until he moves was the point that I was trying to make there. Just lock in and go, you're either going to do this or I'm going to die asking you. You pick. But I'm not going to stop until this happens. I don't know how many things I've gotten on a prayer list that I pray every single day. I don't know how many of those things I've seen happen. And there's some that I haven't yet for years and years. Ask and keep asking. Knock and keep knocking. Seek and keep seeking. Don't give up. You keep praying. But the last point, don't lose heart when the storm comes. And I promise you the storm will come. What's the storm? You start to get a little bit of faith. Something in the natural starts to shift a little bit that starts to look like maybe this is going to happen. And you start to get a little bit of faith. You start to get a little bit excited. And then the worst thing ever happens the next day. It's a storm. Don't give up in the storm pressed through the storm. Here's what Peter did. Matthew 14, Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water. Awesome. Awesome. Peter, you're walking on the water. Walking on the water. It's water and you're walking on it. This is nuts. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? Well, because there was wind. It's like, isn't the wind hitting me too? Like, I'm fine. Not only that, think about this for a minute. Why did you sink instead of, Poof. Like, How did that even work? I mean, the process of sinking might even be the greatest miracle in the story sinking, sinking in water. Who's ever sunk in water? You don't sink. (coughs) You're gone. Okay? Started sinking. He goes, it's because of your faith, bro. When the storm comes, accuse the storm and say, no, in the name of Jesus, I'm walking on this water. And I just want to tell you, in your faith journey, I'm hoping a bunch of you get crazy this week. I'm hoping a bunch of you start looking really foolish this week because you believe this and you go for it. But I'm telling you storms will come to shake it, to cause you to go, oh, no. And I'm telling you they will come. The storms will come. The storms will come. The opposition, the you can't do this, the "Ah, it's over, this didn't work, no. I'm telling you those storms are going to come. And you look at that storm and you say, no, in the name of Jesus. You say, you line up. I'm walking on this water. And you go, no, the Word of God says, he who has faith and does not doubt will receive what he asks for. you got to press in. you got to stir yourself up in your most holy faith. It's not stir yourself up in Christianity. It's stir yourself up in faith so that you can believe and press against the lie. The lie being what everybody else in the matrix has been told and sold. You do not live by sight. You live by faith. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources, please visit our website at tprdfw.com. Thank you.